This is Sports Best, presented by Reposted on the Believe Podcast Network, where we believe in the best of sports each and every week. We cut out the worst and only bring you the best. Larry is on vacation right now, and we are joined by Uncle Kirk. He is our in-house odds maker and our second highest paid intern. Thanks for joining us, Kirk. It's an honor to uh, attempt to fill the shoes of the great and powerful Larry Olson. I got my uh, Dodgers hat on, my Liverpool jersey donned. I got a jug of kombucha and gin, and I found a comfy place in my closet to saddle up and uh, help uh, talk about some sports. I appreciate that. Larry is in Lake Tahoe right now, and I like to imagine him sitting on the edge of the dock, contemplating life, contemplating our podcast. In reality, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, and I want to make a, give you a reminder, as you're aware, I listen to this podcast usually at two to two and a half times speed, depending on how much coffee I had that morning. So uh, if I start talking too fast, just give me a, you know. I'll slow, I'll slow you down. So yeah, I guess we can just jump right into it. The NBA bubble has been popping off. When I think of the NBA bubble, I think of like the bubble boy, or I think of like plastic wrap, and I think everyone's going to be safe. But safety cannot always be taken taken into account i mean i think they spent 150 million dollars on this whole nba bubble but rajon rondo broke his right thumb and uh, i think that's a big hit for the lakers coming into it and so he's gonna be out for six to eight weeks but i think they'll still be fine i think a lot of people have been focusing on is rondo going to be healthy enough to make it through to the end of the season he's 34 so this is kind of built-in rest for him i don't know do you follow the lakers uh, a little bit. You know, I, uh, I I take some umbrage with this being the first question. I thought the interns cut out the worst and only bring you the best. I think maybe Larry being on vacation is the uh, – he must be the authoritarian around the office ranch here for sports best because, you know, this seems like a pretty negative story. But, well, uh, yeah, broke broke his thumb. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Some, some people think the uh, Lakers are kind of like the Yankees of, of basketball and everyone loves to hate it – loves to hate when the Lakers do bad. So – now that Larry's not here, we can talk all the trash we want. I like right? it. I don't. Know. I like it. So, uh, but they're thinking he'll be back for the first, maybe the second round of the playoffs if uh, if he heals up. But uh, two days in the bubble and out, and I don't think he got time to ride Magic Mountain or uh, Splash Mountain or any any no good rides for that guy. I mean, he's just right. out. Yeah, I looked it up. Eight weeks from today is Tuesday, September eighth. The playoffs begin on August seventeenth and run all the way through October thirteenth. So, even if he I don't know. He's he's 34 years old. He's been in the league forever. He's a seasoned veteran. So, like, once he gets back, I think he's going to be fine. So, some people think that the Lakers don't have a chance without him. Right now, he's averaging seven points a game this season. So, I think he's a good off-the-bench player. But I don't think he's going to be the straw that broke the camel's back for the Lakers. I think that's right. You know, he's got the the playoff experience. Um, you know, he's a big ball stealer, which I think somebody – you know, I think he's seventh of active players right now on the all-time steals list. and maybe some philosophy that he did this, you know, trying to go for a ball and scrimmage game, but we'll see. I know uh, Chris Paul, famously of the Thunder, current leading all-time stealer, is, has talked about hand injuries and, and backing off of going for some balls that he might not otherwise go for to avoid cramming a thumb or breaking a finger and having a season-ending injury. I think one of the unknown things about professional sports is how jacked people's hands get. And I guess the NBA too, their feet, the, those NBA players get pedicures all the time because they're always jamming their toes. Or you hear of like famously the receivers for the Cowboys with Troy Aikman or actually Brett Favre, I think, was the one that threw it the hardest. And guys are breaking their fingers all the time and jamming them. So it's not all soft hands and pillows all the time. 
You think they get colors when they go for those pedicures or they just go like clear coat? I don't know. I think they probably just go for clear coat or they go for the experience. I remember the first time I got one, I felt like I was missing out by not choosing a color. So I got a pedicure with color because I felt like I was leaving money on the table. and It was a bad deal. What color did you go with? I think I went with a dark blue. Nice. To bring uh, out my uh, eyes. Match your eyes for sure. I did see uh, he was posting some videos on the time off Rondo was of him doing some boxing training. And there's some uh, there's some rumors floating around out there, too. I mean, he came back looking more jacked than Bryce and DeChambeau on the uh, on the PGA yeah. Tour. So it's possible he did some hand injury in the off time, too. Uh, uh, maybe it was just like Tybo a training. Yeah, he just yeah. He got it the rest of the way there. I guess they're doing all sorts of stuff in the bubble. They got one player ping pong. They got boxing training. I don't know. I feel like these guys might get bored. Yeah, I heard one guy got got busted for breaking the bubble to find a Uber Eats or a DoorDash delivery guy last night. So I know they're uh, they're trying to keep it locked down with the, the regulations, but it seems hard to me. Speaking of stuff going on in the bubble, it's a new adjustment for the uh, for the NBA players. But some something that hits a little closer to my side of the sports aisle is some videos that have gone viral of two different players, maybe more than that, shotgun and beers in the uh, in the downtime. One of my favorites was J.J. Redick sitting in an ice bath that looked like a kiddie pool that you'd buy at Walmart, shotgun and a Bud Light after getting 10,000 retweets. I don't know what to think about J.J. Redick. He's like the Duke guy. He's kind of just been like a a position player his whole career. And he's got the sleeves. He's got a bunch of tattoos. And generally, you like associate tattoos with tough guys. But most of his, if not all of them, are like Christian related, which I think is there's nothing unchristian about drinking alcohol, but it's just like he's got uh, one on his chest. It's a Japanese symbol for Joshua 1-9. Uh, he's got Isaiah 4-30-1 on his stomach, and he's got like the winged lion, which is a symbol of Mark. And so he's like the symbol of holiness, and he's just ripping beers. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um uh, and and kind of got his, you know, his, his handed to him by uh, Myers Leonard, the center for the Heat, that downed a, a Coors Light in 2.5 seconds. I know the John Elways are your beer choice if you got to have some sort of athletic event surrounding it. Two and a half seconds, pretty good for a for a Coors Light. That is pretty good. I think we've talked about this on the show before, but now that I have you, you were the architect of my beer mile, and you're the one that I wanted to drink Coors Lights. And you're the one that made me go banquet because it's a higher alcohol content. You also famously sold away the odds um, on the bet to Jason. And I didn't appreciate that. So I want to take this time to tell you right now, I don't like it. I stand by my decision. I feel like it was a good mathematical choice. And uh, (laughs) that was a a highlight. That was a highlight of my uh, my last 10 years was watching the beer mile. I was more questioning the style. Like, is uh, is it better to go horizontal with the cam, like Reddick, or is it no. uh, more yeah. of a vertical move? What's your what's you your beer? Go vertical because it it there's more pull on it. It keeps the surface tension tight and then shoots out the bottom. There's less tension when you do it horizontal. So <clears throat> these guys, not everyone can win the NBA championship this year, but a lot of guys can improve their shotgun time, which is important. So baseball, despite 
everyone's saying it's not going to happen is moving forward towards their season starting. And the Detroit Tigers have their, they brought up their prospects to kind of give them a better feel of what's going on. And this week, Riley Green and Derek Hill both had crazy catches. Derek Hill was in center and dove and his sunglasses flew off. But Riley Green, they're arguing which one was the better catch, but I think objectively Riley Green's catch was better. He, he's in left field. He covers all sorts of ground. He's completely stretched out and catches it over the wall. And, and if you have the frozen frame, it looks like when, when you're at like a, a lock-in in high school and you get one of those Velcro suits, you stretch <laughs> to the wall. Like, he is completely stretched out. And he's snow coning the ball over the top. It was amazing. Did you see that? It, I did. And, uh, yeah, at one point, I think his entire arm disappears behind the fence. Yeah. Like if you pause it at the right time, his entire arm is gone. And the force with which, I guess, the top of the fence pushing his arm back in, he almost loses the ball out of the glove. But, like, that's some, that's some serious chops to be able to hold on to that thing and come down with it. Yeah, it's crazy. He's 19 years old. He's ranked third best prospect. But uh, probably a treat for him. Mike Trout gave him some love. He re- he reposted on um, on Instagram. It happened. I don't know. Yeah, it with, was with a bunch of big eyeballs, right? Like the wide open yeah, yeah, eyeballs. Yeah, like, emoji. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. To me, watching think? the highlights, you hear the uh, announcers talking over the the game. It sounded like a golf announcers because there's there's no crowd. I mean, it's just a preview of what's to come. It was only an inner inner team scrimmage, but it's weird, right? It is weird. I, I actually thought it was odd that they even had announcers doing the game. I was surprised to hear that that was, uh, yeah. that was going on. I hadn't been watching any uh, inter-squad yeah. broadcast. But, uh, yeah, it's like watching the spring game for college football. No one cares. Yeah, but, but yeah, also, to have, have a catch like that with no crowd noise is a, is a unique experience. Well, and then you, I mean, the echo of the ball hitting the bat is crazy, and you can hear people yelling. And then and the Derek Hill uh, clip, I hear someone's phone going off in the announcer booth. It's like, what are we doing? Like, this is still professional, but nah, maybe not. Yeah, no, for sure. You think something like this, and maybe not this one in particular, but, you know, this this hit hit the social media, kind of blew up. Do you think somebody's, say, say influence or crowd following on social media is going to have any impact at all on managers' and owners' decisions to bring players up quicker or not i mean like you know jordan getting trying to get pulled up quicker because of his ticket sales and draw yeah i hadn't really thought about that i feel like my gut reaction is managers are going to be less likely to do it but owners might be more likely to do it if especially now that all of the revenue is going to be coming from for for as long as there's no fans it's like people watching it's kind of like in acting like if you have two people for a role and one and they're both equal skill. One person has a hundred followers on Instagram and the other has a hundred thousand. You're going to put that in because you have built in marketing. So that's an interesting concept, but I don't know. Baseball of all the sports is so old school that I could see that be it not coming through. It would take more of a sophisticated mind to be able to do that. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little torn. I, th- I think I agree with you that the manager's probably less likely. So ownership, somebody a little more impacted by, you know, jersey sales and ticket sales yeah. might, might, might lean that way a little bit more. But, um, uh, I, you know, baseball, and maybe, maybe this is true of all sports, it feels like baseball that there's just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of guys that are n- nearly all the same. 
uh, of skill level. And so, you know, like, like you're kind of alluding to earlier, why not pick the guy who's going to, going to draw in more crowds and sell more baseball hats? Yeah. And baseball, I guess, is also trying to figure out interesting ways to bring in a new younger crowd. Cause right now it's getting older without the younger people backfilling. And that's why they're trying to speed up the games. Cause no one wants to th- sit through a three and a half hour game. So that's an interesting pitch. I mean, maybe we call the A's. They're always up for trying something different with the uh, the poop zone where you can get a cardboard cutout for the uh, visiting teams. Maybe they'll they'll say, hey, go to your minor leagues. Uh, <laughs> you think and all of a sudden, these guys are skipping batting practice because they, they have to go on their TikTok account and do a dance, right? They're trying to compete with Larry and his TikTok. If uh... – if, if this becomes a thing and I get credited for it, you think they'll put me up there with like Billy Bean and uh, uh, they'll make a movie? Brad Pitt can play me in a movie maybe? I don't know. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin's going to write a movie called Livestream. And um, what's his name? Jesse Eisenberg's going to play a middle-aged Kirk. <laughs> Kirk. Like <Uncle> Kirk. <laughs> who, uh, who gets Larry's? Who, gets, who plays Larry uh, in, this, in this movie? Like the, Steve the, Buscemi. The one Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, let's move on to something near and dear to my heart, golf. Tiger's back. Going to be playing for the first time since February 16th, which was the Genesis down in L.A. Tiger's returning to competition this weekend at the Memorial in Ohio. This is the second round in a row on the same course, which at least in as long as I've been following golf, I can't remember a time that's ever happened before, which I think is super interesting. Tiger did play the one round for COVID-19 relief with Phil and Peyton and Tom Brady. Oh, the fundraiser one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Tiger always always draws a crowd. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of shape he's in, uh, what kind of work he's been doing in the off uh, in his off time. And uh, I mean he's won here five times before. I think he likes the course. It's a it's a you know, it's a good course for him. But uh, I don't know, you have any thoughts on on where he's yeah. gonna end up in the field? I'm more of a casual golf observer. I know you and and old Larry have a fantasy golf gun. And you're probably a lot more tuned into this. It feels more ceremonial to me. People that are as good as Tiger don't get to be that good without being competitive and not like think. I'm sure he thinks he can win it, but like I don't know if he will. His his body's breaking down, and all these guys are kind of excelling. And they had three months off to like stay maintained in shape, and there's no other distractions. So like I don't feel like he's going to come in and sneak a win like he did last year at the Masters. Yeah, it I seems- feel like his time's passed. I think especially with a majority of the field, I mean, there are a lot of big players weren't there this last weekend, but a lot of, you know, a lot of guys have now had, you know, 10 days of practice to get used to this course. Mm -hmm. Like that's a pretty invaluable asset at that level of golf to, to have the experience and have been on site and see how it plays. I think they're planning on changing the course up a little bit with green speeds and thickness of rough and moving some tee boxes around. But uh, I think that puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage. I think one of his also advantages is his ability to thrive under pressure. And I don't really know how much different it is now, but I mean, you have the cameras and you know, everyone's watching you, but you don't have the gallery watching you anymore, which is a different mental hurdle that you might necessarily have to get over anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and if, even if that doesn't necessarily impact him, I think that level of crowd follow and uh, and I've been to a couple tournaments and seen the crowds that follow the guy and it's just it really is insane and I think that works to his advantage you know somewhat to what you're talking about bolstering up his ego but and you know kind of feeding the energy but it also is a detriment to guys that aren't used to playing with you know a hundred thousand eyeballs staring at him and trampling 
you know, right in front or right behind them for the groups in front and behind. In fact, I heard one golfer say one time, the worst place to be is not actually with Tiger. It's to be the group right in front of him because people start moving. After they watch uh, a shot, they'll, they'll bypass and try to come up, you know, to see the next shot. And so he said, it's like you're always being chased by a herd of buffalo and it's really uh, off-putting. It's almost like he has a home court advantage everywhere he goes because presumably 90% of that crowd is not for the other golfer in the pairing. It's going to yeah, be absolutely. Tired. He's currently tied at 82 with Sam Snead for all-time PGA wins. So, I mean, I, I mean, he deserves to, to, to bypass that at some point. I'm just not sure it's this weekend. Who do you think is worse in golf? Someone that, like, is talking on the tee box or the guy that, no matter what, every time the ball is hit, hit in the hole! Oh, it's, it's, it's got to be the mashed potatoes guy. Like, I, this is the – yeah, of all the horrible things that have come around the, the COVID-19, not having some Yahoo yelling on every single shot, uh, that just makes golf almost wholly unwatchable for me. And I'd say that as a guy that loves golf. So I've enjoyed the silence the last few weeks. I mean, you know, in addition to getting the mics and uh, getting to hear some of the players a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that drives me a little crazy. To your question, Larry Olson is the worst golfer. That's the, that's Tiger is – cemented himself as like the top golfer of all time. I mean, you can make arguments otherwise, but like he's kind of got the stats, but I saw something come out today. There was an interesting question. I'm curious what your thought of is if Patrick Mahomes retired today, would he make it to the hall of fame? I, mean, I think it's a, that's an interesting question. I mean, he's got the stats. I think, I think if he, you know, if he got some kind of an injury, like a career ending injury, I think he makes it without any question at all. But you think if he you quits, know, you th- if, he, if he pulls an Andrew Luck and quits for his own health and safety, you think people would be mad at that? I, I don't know that it necessarily blocks him out of ever making it, but he's sure not a uh, like first balloter, uh, in my opinion. I think I think people would look and say like, yeah, that's you know that was for whatever reason. I think they'd uh, I think they'd knock him down uh, a couple years, but maybe not. I mean, you got to wait five years to get to get put in anyway I think the uh maybe that wears off a little bit I mean there's no doubt he's you know one of the best I mean he's he's fantastic 50 touchdowns in a season and that's only that's like Brady and Peyton territory there I mean he's definitely everyone I think consensus is on track to doing that I mean they posed the question on first things first on Fox today and I guess their argument is baseball is definitely the hardest hall of fame to get into because of the purest and What's his face? Was it Jeter that recently got in and was like one vote shy? Or was it a- – yeah, I think it was Jeter. And it's like no one can go in cons- consensus first ballot. Yeah. And uh, I think I think crotchety writers would not vote him in but out of like principle. But I think his numbers are there. I looked it up. I thought it was interesting. Quarterbacks that have never won a Super Bowl that are in, Warren Moon and Dan Fouts. And then I guess the question of Philip Rivers, like if he he's probably not going to win one, like I think he would go in with the numbers. It, I mean, it's just it's not going to happen. Mahomes probably isn't going to retire, but it's just like an interesting thing to think about because he's kind of checked every box at 24. Yeah, I saw this. I saw a stat comparison between I think it was Eli Manning and Rivers, mm-hmm. and that Rivers demonstrably is a has better all around stats, but not the Super Bowl pedigree so that that goes a long way I think in those guys in those guys eyes well I this was shocking to me I feel like this is a this is is I'm gonna emulate my my friend Larry Olson here you know how many people are in the NFL Hall of Fame 
No, I don't. I'm going to take a wild guess at 298. Oh, interesting. It's uh, 346. That was but a good I guess. That was a good guess. I would have guessed the number would have been way higher. I was, uh, I was shots. That's that's rarefied air in the. Well, uh, I mean, it's the, like two or three a year. I, I mean, it feels like it could be really high. I feel like some point are they going to start unretiring numbers? Like the Cowboys has this, the, the Cowboys stadium has this ring of fame, and like Aikman's retired and Emmett Smith, and like at some point, if the NFL or sports exist that much longer, you're like, well kind of need this number we've retired everyone we yeah, or uh either that or they got a three digits on the back i mean that's your that's your that's your other option right like we uh yes. we get the three digit jersey numbers i like that idea you know whether or not he makes it into the uh, hall of fame i did see that post malone now has a tattoo of mahomes and uh kelsey's signature after they were backstage at a concert and they just apparently trounced him at beer pong so after losing 17 games he made a bet and said, like, I'll beat you on the next one, and I'll get your names tattooed on my body. So he brought out a piece of paper, had him sign it, and, uh, and sure enough, Post Malone now has Mahomes' signature. So he's, uh, he's enshrined somewhere. Yeah, the two Texas boys going at it. Patrick Mahomes from Tyler, Texas, and Post Malone from Dallas. There you go. That's it. We're, we're wrapping up Sports Best with a hip-hop and NFL crossover. This has been Sports Best on the Believe Podcast Network with special guest Uncle Kirk, the second highest paid intern on the show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Andrew Keller for Kirk, and thanks for stopping by.